0: something inspiring when you listen to the Garden Question podcast. Hello, I'm your host Craig McManus. Dwayne Gallatin earned his nickname King of Containers while overseeing the Sibley Horticultural Center at Callaway Gardens. His primary horticultural focus today is managing and developing future projects for private gardens and estates. A close friend once suggested he enter a container gardening contest that ended up attracting over 1,000 entries. Little did he know, a whole TV episode on PBS's The Southern Gardener would be produced around his winning entry. Duane earned a Horticultural Associate's Degree in Landscape Design, Ornamental Production, and Commercial Turf grass From ABAC, that's Abraham Baldwin Agricultural College. He followed up those studies with internships at Chicago Botanic Garden and Longwood Gardens in Pennsylvania. This is episode 103 of the Garden Question podcast, Designing Your Spring Container Garden with Dwayne Gallatin, and is a remix of episode 28. It's spring, and you're probably deciding which plants to plant in your garden. Would a list of annual and perennial plants, Bugs Don't Bother, be helpful to you? Jason Reeves. Has curated a plant list of 57 annual and perennial plants that are not on your bugs menus. Go to today's episode page on the com and download the list. You'll also get the Good to Know newsletter when you download the list as a bonus. Go now and get the list. Dwayne, why are container gardens an important part of a great garden? I think they
1: add so much to a garden and every aspect from a small garden to a big garden. They just add an element to it, diversity of it, add some dimension to it, some height to it can even add a focal point to a blah area or an area where you can't really put any plants because you don't have any soil or can put a cluster of containers, soften a wall, anything like that.
0: There are many decisions that have to be made in container gardening. Where do you start? That's a really good question. You got to think about
1: the space. If I'm in an apartment or a small home, what kind of container do I need? Do I need a, a great big one, a small one, Something I can move easily in and out? Are you in a, a formal setting, a nice big estate home where you need big pots? You got to think about the scale of the area, size of the bed, everything like that, even from the color, however the pot's going to be.
0: We're starting with the pot first.
1: Does the area need a pot? That's one thing to think about. Okay. For example, I've done this a lot for several clients and customers. And say you've got a two-door garage and you've got that slim space in between the two garage. Most places don't have any kind of soil on the outside of that. I've taken slender pots and put in between the two garage doors. Put plant material in that year-round. Just give it some interest in that
0: area where you can't put soil. That really breaks up a big space there with the two garage doors in, I would think.
1: It does. Let's just say you got a gravel area. You know the soil is terrible under it, but you want to put a little bit of color in that area. You can do that as well. End of a retaining wall. One of the biggest places I use containers are around swimming pools. Use those on the corners. I like to do odd numbers, threes and fives, or one big one on the corner. Anything like that. They're grouped together. Kind of triangular. Thinking of one client right now, we have three different sizes. There'd be a taller one toward the back, median, and then drop down to a smaller one. They can be different shapes, but they need to complement each other. You don't want to get something that's big and round and something square and one that's squatty. They don't complement each other or have two matching ones and then find another one that doesn't look anything like it.
0: There needs to be a connection between all three of them, like a color or a texture or some kind of pattern.
1: Correct. Or the pot itself is kind of need to match or complement each other. Don't go buy a $600 pot and put a $4 plastic pot next to it yeah. just because it's the right size. Yeah. When I pull up to my house, I've got three big pots. I've got a little gym Magnolia and a huge, huge terracotta pot, and it drops down to a, a Mahonia in a, a smaller pot. Then it drops down again to another pot that I just keep annuals in. They're all the same color, the size of the pot. I've got some ivy spilling out of them. So it kind of softens that whole look. And then I just swap out the annuals as the season comes. Or you can have a really huge pot with a small tree in it, like a bay magnolia or anything like that as a permanent plant in an area for some height or interest
0: when you do a permanent planting like that, do you usually put something on the low side on the ground plane of that pot? Not necessarily, no.
1: I know one client that has a perspective view. She had a series of steps walking past. So when you looked, it was about 25 feet and that you follow the path at the end of the garden view, she had a nice concrete container that the holly.
0: Pretty much fill the pot up.
1: Like my Southern Magnolia I've got out there, I don't have anything spilling out of it. The ivy's in the other one. It's what I call full-to-ground. It hasn't been limbed up, so it kind of hangs off the sides, kind of softened. Explain full-to-ground. I believe when you buy a Southern Magnolia, you want one at full-to-ground, meaning None of the lower limbs have been cut off. So when you plant it, there's low, low branches. It hasn't been what they call tree formed yet.
0: There's hundreds of containers available to choose from. How do you narrow the choices down and select the correct one?
1: A lot of it depends on the homeowner, the client, or whatever you like. Some people like simple, nice terracotta. They blend in well. Some people like very ornate ones, lots of Greek-looking statues or stuff like that. A lot of them like urns, cast urns. I do a lot of those. Cast urns, you have to think about if they're painted black most of the time, they get so hot, they dry out a lot. You got to think about where you're going with that container too. If you got a small patio area, you don't want to put a huge concrete pot. If you're going to be moving around a lot in and out, you want something lightweight. Some of these faux type containers that look like they're real terracotta work great. We had a wedding event venue near Pine Mountain area. It was always windy. Well, when they opened it, they went and bought these lightweight containers. And when they started to dry out or didn't get water, they were constantly getting blown over. They brought me on board to start maintaining those. And we went with all... Nice concrete pots kind of complement the whole venue just so we don't have to worry about that anymore. So, you got to think about that. Container can be a basket. If you put a basket out there, you know you're going to have to water it every other day. Just got to think about all that stuff. Baskets, you can't overwater a basket.
0: They go through water real fast. Oh my gosh. I would think that'd be the case too if you were using sphagnum moss on a wire type basket too.
1: Absolutely. That's the thing about containers, they are a maintenance issue. A lot of times I'll get the container, I'll put it in the spot empty and then visualize it and say, yeah, that works. Or I've got a container that somebody's given me that's already planted. And if it's not super heavy, I'll walk around and try to find a home for it. Set it there and does it look right? Is it to scale? All the different things you need to think about.
0: Is there different grades of terracotta? The terracotta I've had at some point it'll start breaking down.
1: That's true to most of all the containers I use in the way of terracotta. Most of them are made in Italy. They're still inexpensive. That's just part of it. Other than unpotting them and bringing them in, that's about the only way I know of. I don't think you could treat them or anything. I'm bad as anybody else just leaving them out there and get
0: three or four years out of them. What's the most unusual container you've ever potted in? This lady had a
1: lot of Italian preferences. She had a Venus statue that the head was gone. The FedEx guy, or somebody backed into it and it fell over and the head broke off and it wasn't able to be fixed. The way it broke, it was where I could take a, a wire basket, put sphagnum in it, planted it, and we put things that looked like hair was coming off the back. In the winter months, I would use like Lysimachia or something like that.
0: You were making a temporary head for the Venus statue think about
1: top it's really a container. If you think about it. In my time at Callaway, we did life-size dinosaurs where we had to bring cranes in to, to set them up. Alice in Wonderland themes, lots of top berries. For Christmas, you could do gingerbread. We did a gingerbread boy and girl for the fantasy and lights. Most time, you're using creeping fig or English ivy. You would plant them in the greenhouse and then put them out on display, and you just got to keep them alive. thing about a top berry is they dry out so fast. It's crazy fast. You have to keep those moist, but not so moist that you start having leaf fungal diseases and stuff.
0: These tupperies, are they being made in the greenhouse and grown out there and then you lift them up and move them? Correct.
1: Most of them were and they were fitted together how far in advance would you have to start those? Those were started three or four months in advance. We started them in greenhouses and get them full. A lot of them, you could really plant them instantly, like those gingerbread or other things. If you've got a four-inch pot that has long enough runners, say English ivy, you can easily plant it overnight. If you've got enough plant material and they have long enough runners, you use pins and you can pin it down to instantly fill it in. I had some berries made for a client geese frames. The lady I hired did it. She probably did it in a week and they were just frames to start with. Take the mass of the body, the guts of it with styrofoam in a bag. And then you use unmilled sphagnum moss that's been soaking for a day or two. And then you put that in and then you use the plant material root system, plant it all at the same time. And as you're filling it in, you're filling in the gap, the runners of the plant long as you've got enough plants runners you can do the topiary basically overnight it just looks like it's filled in. yeah
0: so you're actually planting in the sphagnum unmilled sphagnum
1: moss yep and which is hard to find it had some potting soil mixed in with it. Oh, okay once it's filled in though your job is to keep it alive and through the display
0: what's your process for putting together a container
1: let's say that Miss Adam calls me about putting some containers together. I'd go see her and I'd say, well, what containers you got? She'll show me what she's got. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, what do you, oh, I just want some color. And I'll say, well, what's your color scheme? And she may say white, pink, stuff like that, or soft colors. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is there anything you don't like? Well, don't bring any orange on my property or, or anything like that. So I take that information that she's given me and I'll go plant shopping. If the pot's light enough, I'll take the pot with me. Most of the time, I don't. What I'll do is I'll go and find a a thriller, a filler, and a spiller plant. Thriller would be that wild plant, tall plant. What's that, hey, look at me plant? And then a filler would be something like a greenery or something that complements it, but kind of fills the pot a little bit. May not have a ton of flowers on it, but has a nice texture to it. The spiller would be something that's coming off the edge you know, to the soften the container of the pot. I can go into a nursery, and what I would do is i will say, well, I found my wild plant. Hey, this is a pretty cool plant. This is what I'm going to focus on. I'll take a piece of that plant or I'll walk around with it and start putting it up against other plants and say, yeah, that looks good together. That looks good together. And then I'll keep walking it until I've created a container with the pots that I've got in my cart. Another thing I'm known to do is I'll buy some extra stuff and say, you know, it may not be enough or something like that. And then that's how i kind of create plant idea for my pots. And the other thing I think about, if I've got a three foot wide pot, Can't go buy a six-inch plant to be my thriller. It's got to be something of some size, some scale. It's the big picture. It's not just what's that one plant going to look like. I'll see a container done or even a flower bed done where they won't use enough plant material or tall enough plant material, and it just looks weak. Yeah. But I'll see a big, huge pot with a few snapdragons in it and a couple pansies, but they could have put a tree in it the pot was so big. Yeah. That's how you can tell professional events, somebody's just getting started in the business. But hey, I tell clients many times, I've been telling them, If that's what you like and that's what you want, that's what you're paying for. Most of the ones I've done, I'm doing out the front of the house. They want to show off the house. They want that, wow. Now I've got the plants together. I've got the pots together. What I do is I buy mini nuggets. I don't buy the big chunks unless it's a huge, huge, huge container. Generally, just buy the mini nuggets. I don't get pine bark that's stained or has any kind of pre-emergence in or anything. I just get the cheap stuff. And I use that as my filler in the pot. I've always heard people using styrofoam or plastic pots. I've seen marble. I've seen gravel in it. I even found glass chips in one one time. The reason I like to use pine, my bark is, let's say you planted it at April 15th. By August 1st, it's done its thing. It looks terrible. It, it's ready to be tossed in the compost or ready to be repotted. Well, you can walk up to your compost pile, pop that pot out and put the bark, the soil, the plant, everything into the compost pile. All one quick sweep and it's done, taken care of. Versus, well, I've got pots in the bottom I gotta deal with, or gravel, I spend this extra time. When plants have been in a pot for so long to get root bound, course, you want to put fresh soil in it every time you use a pot. That's why I like to use pine bark.
0: Why do you use fresh soil every time? When you think about a
1: container needs to be watered every two or three days. And if it's a hanging basket on a front porch or by a pool or something, it could be every day. You want to use fresh soil because it's leaching out of the nutrients in it. You're constantly, by time you water it, you're percolating out the nutrients in it you've got all these roots competing for nutrients and soil moisture and everything there. It's spent, it's done. It's no longer useful. You want to put good stuff. And speaking of potting soil, I sometimes take it for granted thinking, what else would you use? I don't know how many times I've done container for somebody who did it themselves and find dirt, not potting. soil. they just put dirt in it. They just dug it up or they went to Lowe's and their husbands with them and say, Hey, there's a bag for $1.50 versus $7.99. That'll work. And dirt's dirt, right? You'll see that. They'll wonder why the containers didn't do well or why they rotted. Potting soil allows the water to drain through it really well and doesn't hold the water so much that it just rots.
0: Well, do you have a recommended soil that you like to use, or do you kind of like your secret soil that nobody knows anything about? Just because the
1: convenience, I used used to use Miracle Grow a lot. It's okay. I've had good results with it. It's readily available. I don't have to go around the world to get it. There's some other brands that I use that are maybe just a little bit more expensive. I like to use Miracle Grow, which everybody knows about, and make sure you're getting potting soil, not garden soil. The blue bag one. Good question. They sell two different kinds. They sell one that's yellow and one that's blue. One has something called a pterosaur, I believe it is. And what it is is a little crystal that actually expands when it gets wet and it helps hold the moisture in it. And then the other one doesn't. To me, it, it really doesn't matter all that much. And I don't see that big a difference. Either or works for me. One's a hair bit cheaper. Either one's fine. The other brands I've used is called Fafford. You're not going to find that at most box stores. You'll find that at a true garden center. I like it. And then there's one called Happy Frog um, that I've used. You want potting soil that's light. If you go and buy a generic brand, you're going to find the generic brand is mainly pine bark that's been grinded up and sand. True potting soil really doesn't have any dirt in it. It's got peat moss, vermiculite, perlite. Most all of them has a little bit of osmocote, which is a slow-release fertilizer in it. You want that in there. That's what you want in the way of potting soil. If it's only $1. 50 you you're not getting good stuff. You're going to be disappointed with it. I still like to add just a little bit more osmocote in it. Osmocote doesn't really burn. You follow the label. I just feel like it adds those extra nutrients in there. I've been using it for, I don't know, 25 years and have no complaints with it. Containers, in the perfect world, you would fertilize them every two weeks. It's really important in the growing season that you fertilize your plants. In the perfect world, what I like to use is the water-soluble Peters strip of 20 every other week, along with the ossipic everybody's busy. Even I can't to my own containers every two weeks. That extra Osmocote in there kind of supplements our laziness in keeping those containers. Because you're watering them every other day. Think about all the nutrients that's constantly getting leached out. And when that Osmocote's in there, it helps releases the extra things it needs.
0: You need like a six-month Osmocote? Yep, yep.
1: There you go. Six months is fine, even though it won't be in there six months, most of the time, unless it's something
0: permanent. I mean, that's a control release fertilizer that's releasing those nutrients as you water. Does it trigger with temperature too? Correct. All right. How about the plants? You've already told us a little bit about how you go about selecting the right plant. Is that something we can expand a little more on? Think about
1: texture. I've done containers that have no flowers, just using textures. Let's say, for example, I'm thinking of a homeowner and I do. She has two pots by her everyday door that have very, very little light. In the winter months, It's a lot harder to find annual color that you can use in the shade that looks good, that flowers. Kind of limited to what you can use in the winter months. If you put pansy in full shade, it's not going to bloom. It's just going to get leggy and green. And that's about it. There's one lady I used, uh fatcha called spiderweb. I've used that because it just got this big, nice, semi-tropical looking leaf. And then I've used a green and white corabel, And then I've put like a variegated ivy in there. So just going for different textures. In my house, I've got a, a soft crest mahonia. It's a nice texture. It kind of Billows out as where this little gem magnolia I have in my container is straight up. It's more of a column look. I've got a, a billion, another one out there. I use cast iron plant in the winter months for some height. Uh, one of the mm-hmm. hardest challenges for me, I have to do containers for people is finding height in the winter months that it's low maintenance. It can take the code. I've used cast iron plants, um, some use dwarf arborvitaes, I've used provided emerald, which is very common. I can find like a three gallon plant of that and I use it for height in a container. You got that nice texture. Hopefully it's in the sun, you can add snapdragons, pansies, uh, cabbage kale. I use parsley a lot. Any of that kind of works for a winter container. Summer months, you can go crazy with those. So much plant material out there to pick
0: from. You used to never see tropical plants used in containers. They're always used as house plants,
1: when I was at Callaway's, I had a couple beds outdoors that were in the shade, and I would literally use a piece Louis, a there was one called Sensation. It gets to be a huge plant. I would use it in the bed for some height and textures. In the area, you see the guests walk by and go, wow, that's a peace loot!" Outside, I didn't. I would have never thought about using a house plant outside a tropical plant like that. It filled the void. It gave height. It had the white flowers. I use them a lot. Elephant ears work a lot.
0: Do you ever have to explain to the client that when you do use something like that, just think of it as an annual and not as a permanent planting? I've had some clients that will say, where are we going to plant that when it comes out of the container and it doesn't work? <laughs> yep, yep,
1: exactly. Australian tree fern, I'm not familiar with those. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very expensive. It's a tropical plant and they're not hardy for us. I have a client. He wanted something different and unique for the shade area. He was having an event. And this has been four or five years ago, but he had a pool area. He had this entryway that was really shaded, two pots. Hey, I want something different. Early in the spring season, I ran across these four to five foot tall tree ferns. They were very unique and they gave this almost like a Jurassic Park feel. When you walked in this shade area, I bought those and we probably paid $100 a piece for them. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the season, I had forgot all about it. And he called me. He's like, hey, my yard man's here. We're going to take those things out and stick them outside. Where would you suggest putting them? Can't do those. Like, what? And I said, yeah, he's like, well, how much did I pay for those things? And I said, well, we didn't go into detail, but you know, they're well, I'm going to create me a sunroom somewhere. And so we put them in there and they did okay for a couple of years. That's one example you're talking about. One thing to think about. A lot of people grow their vegetables in pots. They want to do parsley or things like that for the cool season. I got a customer who puts kale that she eats in pot, kind of like a kitchen garden. She's taking out big tomatoes or something else. She's more of a functional gardener person. She's not into all the annual stuff. I'm going to plant something I'm going to utilize. So she's planting kale and things like that. She even plants carrots in her pots. Here's one of my thing about containers. I'd rather see a pot go away or disappear than see ugly plants. Mm-hmm. That's always been my thing. I hate seeing a bunch of empty pots sitting around very long, especially if it's a real nice garden. You don't want a bunch of empty pots at your front door, everyday door, get dead and ugly plants. Yeah. And then I don't like to see empty pots sitting around forever. It's like I go through a beautiful garden, I see a dead tree or a dead plant. Why don't we just pull that? I'd rather see a hole than an ugly plant. It's- just <laughs> me. But I'm very picky when it comes to containers. Couldn't stand to see soil wash out. This is when I was at calories on the displays. They had to be perfect. Right. When I planted them, they had to be grade A right then. I couldn't wait for them to fill in. If anything, that's one of my drawbacks on when I do containers is most people they don't want to wait for it to fill in. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. If they're paying somebody, they want that automatic self satisfaction, they want to see it full right then. And I understand, I do too, but then you think about well heck. In a month, these things are going to be so big, I'm going to have to be cutting on them. Right. It's a trade-off. Can you live a little longer to let them fill in so you don't have to do that? And remember this, the more plants you put in a container, and the bigger the pots you put in the container, the faster it's going to get root-bound and the more watering you're going to have to do sooner. Keep that in mind. Let's say you plant your containers May 1st. You fill it with summer annuals. Generally by mid-summer, they're so overgrown and floppy. And depending on the plant material, I like to pinch them back right after July the 4th. That way, you can extend those containers a little further into the summer. That seems to work for me. Coleus are one of those plants that do it. Petunias, inpatient, sun impatient. they get so leggy. You'll notice, too, when you do that, you can probably get an extra day of watering, too. Speaking of watering, here's observation. And this is honest God's truth, is that if you leave your containers outside and you get a pouring rain on them, you can go two to three days without watering them. But if you go out there and water, water with a water hose and you can soak it, you'll have to water it more frequently. And I don't know if it's just the natural nitrogen in it, but there's nothing like Mother Nature's water. And I've been doing containers for almost thirty years now. It's just observation. When I get a good rain, I know that, hey, I don't have to drag hoses for at least three days. You just get a little extra time out of it. My little quirks is when I do containers, I'm bad about overfilling it with soil just because I know when a homeowner goes to water, it's going to wash out. But one of the biggest complaints I get from a homeowner, the first time they go water, they'll say, you put too much soil in, all this soil is washed out now, and now it's all over the driveway. And I say, well, Miss Martha, when you start watering it every other day for the next seven, eight weeks weeks here. If you don't put enough soil in it to begin with, you're going to get down where you don't have any soil in it. What I like to do is I water it slowly. As soon as it starts to run out, I move it to the next pot and then I'll go back and water it again. And it's just a little trick. Just as I start to see that perlite, perlite's that little white granule in the potting soil. As soon as I see that start to wash out, I move it to another pot. And once that soaks down, I'll go back to it. So that way I get a deep water and I don't get as much soil washed out somebody who is green or novice to it, they'll think more water faster and get away quicker. That ain't how you want to water a pot. You want to work slowly and get good deep. When you start seeing it come out the bottom, that's when you stop. I know this one client and I cannot make myself do it. He'll text me and say, my wife always reminds me to tell you, would you please quit putting so much soil in your pots? And when she waters, they make a mess. Well, I've told her you know, a bunch of times how to water them. I know where they're saying. They, they don't want to see it. Just a little detail, a little trick. If you think about it, if you put two inches or inch and a half of soil below it and you start watering it and you keep watering it over time, you're not going to have much soil in it. I just try to compensate for the average homeowner who wants to water fast and quick. They're going to put too much pressure. They're going to wash the soil out. And I know when I plant my own pots, that's where I'm going to do it. Do you use a water wine when you water like that? Absolutely. Do not, do not stand off six feet with your thumb and water it. I use a water wine on a, a long reach breaker, a long handle, so I don't have to bend over. And that breaker softens the water coming out. I use that all the time. That's the best way. Whatever soil washes out, I go around the pot, wash it away.
0: I've seen people take a little trigger gun type sprayer and they've got a little shower thing on that. I tell them all they're doing is just putting out a little water real fast and it makes you think you're doing something, but you're not really thoroughly watering that pot.
1: Absolutely. Get a long reach wand with a breaker on it and uh, water everything. That way you're not beating it down. So that's the best thing, dude.
0: Okay. You've chosen your plants. The volume of the root system for those plants you've chosen is larger than your container. How do you fit those root systems into the container?
1: I use a terminology I would call customizing a plant. Let's say I got five plants. And I say, well, it's going to be a tight squeeze in that thing. I'm going to have to customize something. Well, I would literally take a root ball and soak it in some water, pull it out, and squeeze that root ball together to make it fit into a container. When I get through some container, it almost looks more like a florist arrangement than a container planted with roots sometimes because it's just instant. The only way to get that look, I would want make it all fit. That's one of the tricks I do. It's healthy. They probably like more space, but it works, especially if it's just temporary for a couple of months.
0: Would you say you're jamming it together? There's the word. Yep, it can not be.
1: Exactly. Because <laughs> again, I want that instant gratification. Yeah, I did an herb garden for a lady this past summer. She probably brought me nine different herbs and she had one pot. She said, well, stick them in there. I says, hey, that's not going to work. I tell you what, why don't we just stick five in here? And she's like, oh, that just looks so puny. It was a big pot. There was no height. I knew the plant material. I think she just wanted to say she had herbs in a pot and she wanted to call it a kitchen garden. But I was just trying to tell us that you're not going to be able to recognize anything in five weeks. It's all just going to be a jungle mess. Why don't we do this? And then I found her a spot to plant the others. That's the thing about gardening. You learn something new every day. You're teaching something new every day to different garden people. And experience helps. Most of my pots, my big heavy pots that are going to stay permanent in places, I've got something under them that they're just not flush on the ground against concrete or or the wooden deck or anything like that. I like to get a little air under them. You will happen as those roots will get in there. You just don't have it sitting on the ground. You want it to drain. Now, if you put a, a container on top of loose gravel, that's fine. You don't want to put something like horsetail, which is equicetum. Horsetail can be aquatic plant. If you're not familiar with it, it can be very invasive. I've used it in containers, but I made sure that it stayed in a container and I would put something in that could take wet feet because it can live in water, but it doesn't have to be in water. Knowing the plant on that helps a little bit. If everybody said, hey, I want some equicetum or horsetail in my garden, i said, well, put it in a pot where it can't get away and enjoy it that way.
0: Have you ever done the technique where people will take the bottoms of the pot out and just let the plant grow into the ground?
1: I just saw something like that over in England, a garden designer, and that was her whole intention. She bought a brand new pot. She put a plant in it, and she said she wanted that plant to be there for years. She actually nestled it in the ground, but then she broke out the bottom four inches of the pot and sunk it in the ground so that it could root through it. When you look at it from a distance, it looks like a plant in a pot. Basically just a huge drain hole instead of a small drain hole. Speaking of drain holes, my house is full of containers. You can imagine the side of my house, 30 inches wide pot. It's a plastic pot that I put a three gallon globe arborvati, probably been there about 12 years. The Asiatic jasmine's taken over the pot. My arborvati is every bit of about 12 feet tall by eight foot wide in a 30 inch pot. It has definitely busted that pot somewhere down in the ground and living. I've done the trick of where you go on vacation. I bought a kid's swimming pool, put about an inch or two of water in it, and I took anything important to me, so sat them in the swimming pool. That way they kept my plants watered while I was gone for four or five days in the middle of summer. Just little tricks like that. I don't like to use saucers. Some people love them. I've just never been a fan of using the saucer. don't like that look, especially inside plant. A container can be inside as well, house plant. No one killer of house plants is over water. When people put deep saucers in their containers and their houseplants, well, they overwater it. A houseplant will never have a chance to actually drain. The root system basically suffocate. So I've just never been a fan. Outside in the sun, maybe, I just find they just hold debris and just a headache. So each
0: its own on that. Some good techniques for maintenance.
1: Think about where you're going to put your pot. Are you going to have close to water hose? Are you going to have it close to a sprinkler head? Are you able to tie it into the irrigation system and put a drip line into it? That's what I highly recommend. Or have a pop-up serrate nearby. I've seen this before. Somebody put a pot out there by the mailbox, but then they're toting a bucket of water out there to water it. Think about location, location, location. Everybody does it. I know why they do it. They put lots of pots around a pool. Pool gets 114 degrees, it seems like, in summer months. Make sure you're able to water it because that's going to need watering at least every three days really, really well. I'm not saying standing eight foot away with your thumb squirting water on it. When you water a container, you want to thoroughly, thoroughly water it where you see water pouring out the bottom. I fill it up to the rim, and then when it soaks down, I fill it up again. That way you don't have to water it tomorrow. Once those plants get mature and get extensive root system in that pot, it's going to require more water. What I love to do anytime I can is have drips. I maintained a private garden for a couple here in Columbus. I had 62 containers in their property, their house, the property, and uh, surrounding area, and then had a mother-in-law house off to it as well that they use a driveway. So I had pots everywhere. Most of the time, they were four to five clustered together where I could take a hose and water them all at once. They weren't all spread out where I was dragging hoses all day. My permanent big pots that have a small tree or shrub in it, I actually tied it into the irrigation system. If it was in a place, I didn't want to see the drip hose coming up the back. If it took away from the pot, I'd go up through the center of the drain hose before I planted it and put it in. Irrigation is going to run three days a week. That's enough for a potted plant like a shrub or tree. Baskets, you can't overwater a basket.
0: They go through water real fast.
1: Oh, my gosh. Spray head's better because it's constantly putting out water in one space versus a, a rotor head that's just like a lawn that's just putting water moving. It's not enough water. Then other thing is you're talking about maintenance is using good soil, using good potting soil. Insects, keep that in mind. Japanese beetles. In the fall you'll have more worms. You got deer, you gotta keep that in mind. You don't want to put a container on the edge of the woods that's gonna get eaten. A hosta is a Snickers bar to a deer. If you want to find out if you've got deer, put some hostas out or Indian hawthorn. My observation is if you have a bunch of pots together and they've been there for a while, you'll start getting algae built up around them. You may want to move those pots over a little bit. My front door, I have probably three or five pots on each side of the door. They've been there for a while. When I go to move them, I've got this algae everywhere. Some people like that look. It makes it slippery. When I do my containers, I, I'm, I like to go shopping. I like to go pick things and put them together. But I might just go to nursery and find something for height, for you know whatever it could be. I can't say I really plant them, but I do a ton of them. I enjoy it. it gives me a reason to go plant shopping. I'm looking for that unique and different plant. The other thing is, if you got a client, you don't want to use them as a guinea pig. You don't want to go buy a bunch of plants and say, well, I think they'll make it. I think it'll be okay. They're paying you to make pretty all winter or all summer. you got to think about that when somebody's paying you to do the containers. You, know, you want to do tried and true. Now, if you're at home, it's your garden. You can do whatever you like. Try that out at home. Thinking about containers is if you don't like it, redo it. Take pictures of what you did last year. That's always a good thing. I've got some customers that will say that so-and-so you used in that pot last year. I don't know what it was. But I love you like, man, I've done so many pots. I don't remember what I did. I'll look back and I'll go from there. Mix it up, different textures, colors, experiment, do what you want to do. I have a person who loves to put orange and pink together. It makes me sick. (laughs) But orange and pink, that's what they like, and that's uh, what we do.
0: What about when you do start having a failure in a pot? Do you pull the plant that's having a problem and add another one?
1: Depends on how far it's gone. If you got one plant that's checked out, I did these two big pots for front of a state here in Columbus. Her husband was having a birthday party, and it was like a month later. And she texted me like, help, help, I need help. So those containers filled in gorgeous, but I've got one plant that is totally checked out, and I can't find anything anywhere to make it look right. I need you to come band-aid it. Came and looked at the situation so late in the season, those plants weren't readily available. What I did is I took out the other plant that looked good on the other one, and I found enough of something to put in there, fix it where they matched. Because it was just too late in the season to replant her husband's birthday is four days from there, and she wants to look grown, mature. I basically, like you said earlier, I jam something in it that looks like it's been there for a while. Depending on what late in the season, if it looks terrible, just pull it. Just do away with it. It's like a lot of annual beds now. Sometimes the annual beds look so bad. To me, it's better just to pull a bed, make it look neat and clean, than trying to have a few marigolds here and a few coleus there, and you got these big gaps everywhere. To me, I think at some point it's just better to make it all disappear.
0: When it's time to change out a container, do you ever have any remorse about the plant material you're throwing on the compost pile, especially if it's looking nice?
1: Certain plants, yeah. I mean, if it's something unique and different, but if it's just an annual, no. <laughs> I, I mean, I've been doing it a long time. Something's more trouble than it's worth, like tulips or something.
0: In the spring, when it's time to do the change out there, and the pansies are looking the best they've looked.
1: That's a good point. Let's say you have a event. You got an April 7th wedding or some kind of event. And I get there and I'll say, Miss Molly, I'm going to be honest with you. What I got is not going to be near as pretty what that is right there. I realize you're ready to go to something different. But what I got is not that full. When I plant it, it's just not going to look as springish as that right there. Yes, those pansies are leggy and they're all over the place, but they're blooming their hearts out. The pot's nice and full. It looks established. Yeah, that's a decision thing right there to make. I know what you're saying. I do know. A lot of times we'll plant snapdragons here. It'll be almost May 1 before they're starting to bloom, and you're pulling the bed. And they didn't have a hard get a chance to start blooming really well, but it's time to change the beds. I think that's a grower's thing. I think they got maybe started too late, and then when you got them, they just didn't get enough time to mature.
0: What do you wish people would do differently when designing, building, or growing a garden? Think about the space.
1: I don't know who this person is, but they get that spring fling. That first warm Saturday, everybody wants to start working in the yards. And that's the days not to go to box stores, two o'clock in the afternoon. But I've noticed these people, they run out first warm Saturday and they go buy all these basket ferns. They must have 80 of these things across their front porch. Look at them. I say, well, three weeks to a month from now, they'll all be dried up and hanging off one hanger. It's their money. It's their time. I just wish to think about stuff like that. Think about the big picture. A lot of people want that southern living or that picturesque garden, but they don't realize the weeds are going to get taller than their plants in two weeks. Or they'll go out and spend $100 on vegetables. They won't take any time to prep the soil. They'll go out there and dig a couple of hose and drop the plants in. Next thing you know, the weeds are taller than the tomatoes. They want to just say, I'm gardening type thing.
0: Now we didn't talk much about growing vegetables in containers. We talked a little bit about it, but do you want to expand any on that?
1: A lot of people don't have space for tomatoes, but they love tomatoes. So you can get you a, a seven-gallon container or a five-gallon container, plant you some tomatoes in it. The day you put the plant in that pot, put that tomato cage on it and use good quality potting soil. I like to do organic, so I really don't add any osmocote because it's not organic you know you may use something like fish kelp or age manure or anything like that so i try to keep organic when it comes to vegetables and herbs you got to keep them watered uh, black pots are good because they heat up you know tomatoes like warmth and peppers so any of that especially if you've got a small space I mean, you've seen people stick them in a five-gallon bucket. I think that's a little small for something like a tomato, maybe a pepper plant. Make sure you get good drain hose and all that, of course. If you get a pot big enough, you can do anything in it. I mean, you do okra or anything if a pot's big enough, but bigger the pot, the more it's going to cost in soil and everything else you could grow more stuff in it. You could put a tomato plant in it and put some basil in it, sweet basil or something else to complement it.
0: So some flowers in it just to dress it up. You got any other combo-type plantings like that?
1: Marigolds, a natural insect repellent toward some things because of the fragrance. Herbs, mints. Sometimes they'll help with the deer as well.
0: What is your earliest garden memory? Well, how I got
1: interested in horticulture or gardening, I didn't know what horticulture was until I got a little older, of course. My grandparents both had vegetable gardens. I grew up one of my granddaddies, and he was a vegetable garden person. And not only did he have them at his house, he had vegetable gardens at his work. He maintained the city water system of a little town in Harris County. He used the wells to help water his vegetable garden. I used to hate to have to go with them and harvest and pull weeds and couldn't stand it, but it gave me a little bit of bug. Anyhow, we decided to go down to Andersonville, Georgia, in the fall for something there. And we were on the way back, and the fields were covered in cotton. And I had no idea what it was. And my granddad was telling me about it. And we stopped at a convenience store to get gas or something. There was a field there. I walked over there and picked me some of it, and I was just messing around with it. And I said to him, I said, what are these hard things inside of it? And they're called bowl. And uh, he said, well, that's the seed, son. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't tell him, but I kept them. The following spring, I said, I'm going to plant those things. I remember I had them put up. We had a couple of sheds and all that. And I didn't tell him, but I went behind one of the sheds, and I planted a row of them. I probably had about eight of them in a row. Sure enough, they came up. They were starting to get pretty tall. He had a guy that needed some extra money. And he said, well, I need some stuff cut around here. And the guy went back and took a string trimmer to him, cut him all to the ground. And I got off the bus. And they were just getting real close to doing their thing. I went there, and they're all on the ground. And I started crying. I was probably 10, 11 years old. And he'd come around there. And what are you crying about? I said, who cut all my cotton down? He said, what cotton? I said, all that cotton. Then I went to crying and crying. And he looked at my grandma and said, I ain't never seen a kid cry over cotton before. The thrill of planting it by myself, I planted it, I watched it grow. The thrill of watching it fixing a bloom, I saw the whole life cycle of it. That sparked me the interest in plants and stuff like that.
0: I've heard a story about when your dad told you to go get a job when you were 16 years old, and you had an opportunity at Callaway Gardens to work on a beach job with a white sand, sun, water, and other nice things.
1: Girls, girls, girls. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, and and you chose the horticulture department. Why?
1: I, I get there the day and he says, well, we got all these positions open. And I was like, well, that's not, I don't think I want a beach. And besides I end of the summer, I still need to put gas in my car. And, you know, well, we got this one position. It's a grunt job and it's working in the greenhouses and the horticulture. Air. And I was like, what is horticulture? And he's like, you know, gardening stuff, you know, plant stuff. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I think I, yeah, yeah, I'll give it a whirl. He said, well, it's going to be a dirty job. And my granddaddy took me up there, and he had a friend there that was trying to help me get in the door. And he had looked at Mr. Wallace and said, Mr. Wallace worked at the vegetable garden. And he says, well, the young man's unspoke. He don't want the beach. He wants to go get his hands dirty. very next day, I turned 16, I started at the greenhouse growing area at Sibley Horticulture Center. The very first day, we had to pinch garden mums. And to this day, every time I smell a garden mum, I flash back to that day. Once you smell a garden, Mom, when you pinch it, you'll never forget that smell. To me, it's got like a minty smell. It's just one of those things that brings you back to a day when you smell something. And I was sixteen-year-old grunt, and I emptied trash cans, but I was gobbling up all the information I could at the time. That led to me eventually becoming the manager there. Many, many moons later.
0: I've admired a lot of your work there, then as manager not knowing you then but the time you were there i was visited many times and just thought the subway center was fantastic and enjoyed that with my family so much
1: that place made me the horticulture as i am today working with other experts and i worked there for the summer and you know, i think i was a sophomore in high school i enjoyed it so much and they said well that position is being eliminated i was like really if you want to you can come out here on the weekends and do some stuff i was like sure I did that for three years working. My senior year, I wasn't real sure what I was going to do. I had no idea, really. Calloway started a program where they were going to give out six scholarships to the local high school in the fields of marketing and managing. I read the application, but it did say anything about horticulture, anything about garden. It's like, well, that's crazy. I called the director of horticulture in the hallway one afternoon, and I said, "Callaway's is offering a scholarship to the high school. There's nothing in there about horticulture. We're a garden. It's Calloway Gardens. They were offering it working in marketing, the restaurants, you know, the, all the resort side of it. Powers B. he was able to create one of those into a horticulture scholarship. I applied for it and I got it. Stipulation was that you had to work for them for a year before you went off to school. Well, I did. Every month, I worked in a different department of horticulture. One month could have been vegetable garden. One month was an arborist, butterfly center, education. The Zayabo greenhouse production displays, the five mile drive that took care of the outer areas. So I had opportunity to do all of that before I even went off to
0: school. Well, wow, that's pretty valuable experience and not even set foot in the horticultural school.
1: The very first day I had horticulture 101, I walked into the room and the professor had this big, fancy long Latin name on the chalkboard. With me working at Callaway for so long, just about every plant has a sign on it. If you're interested in plants, you look at those signs and you just start piecing the things together. And I had no educational nomenclature or anything about Latin names at all. I looked at enough signs that said the Latin name of Boston Fern. We were in there and she's talking about it and she goes to grab the eraser and she goes, oh, wait a minute. My chance, does anybody know what the common name for this plant is? And as she starts to race, I looked at it. The genus was Nephropoulos, the Latin name for fern, the kind of fern. In the end, was Boston something other like that. Well, I just took an education guess. Well, I know that genus is the fern family. Got Boston on the end, so I'm just going to guess and say Boston fern. I said that, and all the people looked at me like, uh-oh, you're going to be the class geek, you know, the the nerd. It's because of me working at Callaway, you know, just being surrounded by that.
0: Now, that was where? Uh,
1: That was ABAC, Abraham Baldwin Agriculture in Tifton. I went there and got a couple of associate's degrees, and each one of those requires you to do an internship. I did one at Callaway's already, so I couldn't use Callaway's as an internship, so I applied for a couple other ones. Uh, I did one at Chicago Botanic just because I wanted to learn about northern plants and get away from the South and, and just learn about other things. And then another degree required me to do one. get did a, a second internship at Longwood Gardens, and that's south of Philadelphia. It's in Kennett Square. I spent six months there, at Woody Plant
0: Nursery. What impression did that make on you?
1: Oh, my gosh. You can ever go out and do an internship, do it. Hands-on experience. I mean, the classroom, it's awesome. If you're surrounded by horticulture and or what you love to do, you know, take it all in.
0: Tell us a funny garden or landscape-related story.
1: I go off, I get three associate degrees. I've got all this experience working at two different figures botanical gardens. I graduate, I'm looking for a job. I've got this cute little girl that I want to marry back home. Callaway's there, they've got positions open. I get a position working at the trails there. The very first week I'm there, we're pulling a flower bed, fixing a planet and we till it, we get it all fluff and everything. What does Dwayne do? Dwayne walks right through the center of it and just starts packing it down. My boss looks at me and said, yep, that's book knowledge for you right there. We don't want a compact soil after we just tell it. We're nice and fluffy. And I said, you know what? You're absolutely right. Yep, you're absolutely right. So <laughs> if your hands-on experience is always the best. <laughs> absolutely. So yeah, I still
0: remember that day. What's your most valuable garden mistake? Oh, I knew you were going to ask that question.
1: It was time to swap out the conservatories and it was time to put in Christmas stuff. I was an intern early on. And... You think of poinsettias, poinsettia is actually a tropical plant. A lot of people don't know that. But people think of poinsettias as a Christmas plant. Most of the time it's cold at Christmas time. Well, it's time to swap them out. So I take this poinsettia from the grower's greenhouse, put it on the cart, and I drive, I don't know, maybe a football field a 100 yards to the conservatory with no cover at all, nothing. And it's probably 38 degrees outside. I hadn't paid attention, and by the time I got there and we got it all ready, I turned around. It had turned black. It had dropped the sleeves. You just learn from stuff like that. And When I pulled in, the two ladies at work me looked at me like, (laughs) what have you done? I was like, what? What? It's a learned thing.
0: Wow, that's a pretty fast shock.
1: Oh, they turned pretty quick. It was pretty cold. I still see that. I see people go buy poinsettias, and they'll put them on their pots at the front door. Most of the time, they'll droop before they drop the leaves. I went from a greenhouse that was probably 78 degrees to 38, 37. Did not like that. But me thinking red Christmas, not knowing at the time I was in high school.
0: I'd like for you to complete this statement. In my garden, I have too many pots
1: just because as I get busier, I neglect some plants I shouldn't do that. The thing is, I've got some high-maintenance stuff, meaning that I've got some plants out there that should have been divided three years ago, probably.
0: What are your future plans for your garden? To grow it, I've got more time. I
1: recently was running my own business. And when you run your own small business, you have no time for yourself or your gardening. I didn't want to be the dentist with the worst teeth. Let's put it that way. I've lived in this house and this garden. I don't call it a yard. It's a garden. This past summer was the first time in 24 years that I not plant any of my annual beds. It's to get back on that, get my containers all looking good again, replant, divide, simplify it a little bit, and then put in some more trees and shrubs. Those are lower maintenance containers. There's always some room to grow in a garden.
0: What's your favorite plant? I knew
1: you were going to ask that too. You know, they think this is silly. I don't have one. I do not have one. I, I got plants I'm like crazy about. If I go to these big conservatories and they've got these big Mediterranean type feel, you know, dry, airy type, succulent kind of desert looking
0: stuff. They're not my favorite. Tell us a story about a contest you entered.
1: I had a friend call me and said that she had heard about a container contest that the PBS series was doing called the Southern Gardener. i never heard of it. I just left Calloway's working for a private garden in Columbus. Hadn't been there Six months. She told me about it. And when I was at Callaway's, that was my thing, containers. I'd gotten the nickname of King of Containers up there at Callaway. So she had told me and said, Hey, I think you'd be a good candidate for this thing. And I did about eight or nine. I did the instant effect, put moms in it that were showing color, made them nice and full. And I sent the pictures off. This was in 93. Didn't have email that big of thing. Completely forgot about it. I get a phone call from the producer and say, hey, you've won this contest. Okay, well, Super. And she said, we want to come do a show. I said, well, what did I, you realize this is a show we did. I said, well, I I guess I didn't read all the information. She said, oh yeah, we've got to come do a show now and you winning it. I was (laughs) like, oh, okay. I wasn't prepared for that. This was like, I don't know, seven, eight weeks later. Well, all those containers had done their thing. She's like, well, we need you to do some more containers. We're basically doing the same thing I'm doing now, but this was all filmed. I had never done that before. Got a southern accent, and I had to articulate my words better. It was just I was nerve wracking. The thing was, they said I wasn't getting excited enough about winning, and I was like, "Huh?" I said, "Yeah," and he's like, "Yeah." I says, "Yeah, you making it look too easy?" And there was over a thousand applicants for this thing. so we have all these little old ladies that did ones in shoes, and they did this and this, and they were cute, but we wanted something over the top, and we wanted something to get an hour's worth of information off of. I did a topiary geese and all that, and We did it. And he'd stop and go, Dwayne, you got to get more enthused about this thing. You just won the contest. You just won $500. You've beat all these people. You're making it look too easy. And I was like, Ugh! I really had to do some acting. I loved it. It was a great experience. I had to focus on some things. It's like a professor told me in college, you really don't know your stuff until you have to teach it. Say you know something, or oh, I remember that, but until you get in front of a bunch of people or like I'm doing with you, you've got to illustrate it, explain it, ABC it, one, two, three, it to people. That's when you start to kind of know your stuff. That was a filming thing, and they were there for like six hours for an hour-long show. That was a fun experience. I knew I had a little bit of a talent for containers. Containers are unlimited. You can go out there and go to any garden center and plant what you want tomorrow. Just enjoy yourself. Plant what you want to plant in a container. It's good to know what you got. Do what you like. Don't do what you see everybody else doing. Learn from that. Don't go stick a piece of lily in a pot in the dead of winter outside. Just know your stuff. Unlimited opportunities when it comes to containers. Dwayne, tell us
0: how people may contact you. The best way to reach me is at Duane gallatin at gmail.com. It's spring, and you're probably deciding which plants to plant in your garden. Would a list of annual and perennial plants Bugs Don't Bother be helpful to you? Jason Reeves has curated a plant list of 57 annual and perennial plants that are not on your bug's menus. Go to today's episode page on the GardenQuestionPodcast.com and download the list. You'll also get the Good to Know newsletter when you download the list as a bonus. Go now and get the list. This has been episode 103 of the Garden Question podcast, Designing Your Spring Container Garden with Dwayne Gallatin, and it's a remix of episode 28. Thank you, Dwayne. You're awesome. The goal is that every episode is valuable and well worth your time.